Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Beep. Beep. Meep, meep, meep. It's traffic. No, it's a buzzer. <laughs> Come help me, Nadim. I know. I got Come it. be I my got slave. It. I did understand it. But it was just there we go. Uh, Mita, how's it going? I am living and breathing. <laughs> I thought. I don't know. Should I abandon that? I don't know. In it is just a thing. Like when I ask you how you're doing, the thing is, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. So you're going to give me some like weird, disingenuous answer. But it's always I'm living and breathing. No, but that's that feels <laughs> genuine. Okay, I'll be genuine. <laughs> be genuine. Genuine. Okay, Mita, there's been something we've been trying to talk about for like three weeks, but I haven't been caught up, so it's been difficult. But I'm finally caught up, and now we can talk about, and just like that. Yes, the Sex and the City reboot, if you will. Yes, because we did talk about it initially when it, mm-hmm. the, it first aired, and now we're going to talk about thoughts since. Since it yes. has aired, because we're seven episodes in. I'm caught up on all seven. Are I am you? as well, yes. Okay. I really still don't like this show. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I, I just... Okay, first, there's something off with the lighting for me. Like, the original Sex and the City felt darker, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is better lit. <laughs> it's better lit, and I yeah, don't like it. It's better I lit, and it's that, a better quality camera. I want that 90s, <laughs> early 2000s HBO dark lit Sex and the City to come on the screen. Yeah. I just don't love where these characters are going and what they're doing with them. And the point that I wanted to make last week, but you weren't caught up, so I couldn't make it at all. Yes. There is an episode of the show titled The Volley. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was ex- very excited. Yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh, wow, like The Volley. Like, yeah. I, the only other time I remember seeing an episode called The Volley is The Office. And it's like my favorite episode of The yeah, Office. It's a great episode was, of The Office. Very excited about the representation, and I was let down tremendously <laughs> because the representation is showing Carrie in an Indian outfit for about three minutes. Yeah, there is nothing about the actual festival of the volley, just that there's going to be a party at her new friend Seema's house, and that, that's it. That's that's what you get. Yeah. That is the cultural representation of the volley on the new Sex and the City reboot, and it's very upsetting. Is it really that upsetting? I'm very upset. I wanted something like don't I feel like you titled an episode The Volley and you had these elements in it because you're trying to show that Carrie is like woke and Carrie is like with things mm-hmm. and would go to a The Volley party and that it's okay. It's not cultural appropriation if she wears an Indian outfit. It's cultural appreciation and it feels like you're just taking advantage of it and you're not actually utilizing it to show what the festival of the volley is like there's literally nothing there that explains what it is Mm -hmm. i am not good at describing what it is (laughs) 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 as i said that i'm thinking that but like there's nothing of substance in Mm -hmm. that episode for me to take in like oh like i i learned something yeah and that's yeah. that's totally reasonable because that's exactly what it is. It's really an excuse for her to wear a designer langa and that's kind of it. And I think my 
my appreciation for the show, and I'm not saying I appreciate it, I'm just saying like how I feel about it, is a little bit different because I never loved Sex in the City to begin with. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I kind of watched it and I did, I, I liked it. I thought it was funny in parts. I thought it was interesting, but I never was, I never understood the hype. And that okay. could be possibly because I'm not a woman living in New York at the time of Sex in the City. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of women who weren't living at that, you know, there's a lot of people. And I, I think one of the things is that I just I just never got it. I never understood it. I never understood what it what was why it was considered so great. Largely because a lot of these characters were unlikable. Like a lot of them. I just never really liked I was always the biggest fan of Miranda I found because she was always Well the you most... are a Miranda. <laughs> yeah, probably. I just found her the most pragmatic and the most interesting of characters because she, her kind of dilemmas were always the most like understandable. I'd never liked Samantha. I thought she was overwritten as a character. So her absence here, I actually kind of appreciate because like, <laughs> Mita's shaking her head. I'm like shaking my I just head. Didn't, no. I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like her as a character because I thought, I thought Sex in the City always really tried to justify bad behavior. And I think they're trying to actually do it now as well with Miranda's affair. Mm, in that... I Go on. Sorry, go on. No, I was just trying to say that, like, Miranda's fine discovering her sexuality and discovering her interest in women, but that's how you're trying to justify the fact that she's cheating on Steve. When Steve cheated on Miranda in the movie, it was the biggest deal in the world. And apparently he only did it once. And we went a full movie about about humming and hawing about what he did and how bad it was. And meanwhile, she's turning around the tables and suddenly we're supposed to be on the journey with her. And Sex in the City did things like this a lot. It, oh, yeah. They did things. Carrie is a yeah. terrible person and continues to be in this reboot, too. There's so many times where she's trying to, like, push the focus back to the fact that she's a widow now, where I'm like, that's really unnecessary. Other people have emotions and are allowed to feel things, too. Like, you don't need to keep playing this widow card. Yeah. yeah. So I think when I watch it, I, I, I'm appreciating it the same way I did the original series. I do think that, like, there's a little bit of it trying too hard mm-hmm. like any t- and it's weird that anytime the black people show up i'm like all right they're in this too and it always is kind of like jarring because it it feels disingenuous for them to be there yeah. it doesn't it's feel like they belong i also find it super interesting how they have an inter- indian character and her name is seema like seema from mumbai from indian matchmaker <laughs> and i feel like someone just turned on netflix and found the first indian name because like Seema's a common name, but like there mm-hmm. are literally hundreds of names in the Indian culture. And you was Seema Patel, right? Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Nothing about being Gujarati. <laughs> like there's no, there's, there's just no context to it. The one thing I do find that, not the one thing, I do find every episode has something I'm like, oh, I'm kind, kind, kind of impressed with this writing. And ugh, why did we have to do that? That's like a, cons- it's a consistent theme for me anytime mm-hmm. I watch. And one thing I wanted to ask you was about the comment Carrie makes about appreciation versus appropriation. Mm-hmm. How I feel about it? About the comment and about the fact that she wears a lenga because people did make a big deal about the fact that she put on a lenga and did like a, she did a fake braid and all of that. Fake braids, by the way, are a part of the Indian culture. It's called a paranda. People do them all the time. But that she did that. She put flowers in her hair. She wore a designer lenga and then she went to the valley party. Is that appropriation? 
I actually kind of agree with the FEMA character in that moment of like, she was invited to something where like, she was invited to at the volley party. You know, you you don't want to show up there in the right dress. You don't want to show up there in a cheerleader uniform. You want to show up yep. in Indian clothes. And so I don't, and like, she also went, she got Seema's advice, like, what should I wear? Yeah. Or And she asked her, like, is this okay? And she said it was fine. So I don't really have a problem with that. I've never had a problem with white people wearing Indian clothes if they're going to Indian yeah, events. exactly. It's when you're the pussycat dolls and you're going on the red carpet and you draped a sari barely onto yourself because you're going to the Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> Sorry, this is a real life example that I had <laughs> in high school. But... That I have a problem with, but like when you're going to a Diwali party or if someone was invited to celebrate like Eid with you Mm -hmm. and they wanted to wear the traditional garb, then I'm fine with that. I I think it's okay. Yeah. And I think like I talked about this with my wife because there were a bunch of articles and they were written by South Asian people about how like it's, it's not appropriate. But at the same time, my wife was just like, first of all, South Asian clothes are beautiful. Let's not even pretend. They are colorful. They're intricate. They're fun. They're like nothing you see anywhere else. So yeah, it's like getting to be a princess. Absolutely. Like yeah. on like a Tuesday, you really get to put on this like big ball gown skirt and this like the fit and the fabrics and things like that. They're fun to wear. They're fun to look at. So why should we deprive other people of that enjoyment or that those like mm-hmm. feelings, especially when it's when it is literally people appreciating what it is. And, like, if you're going to go to a South Asian event, you're going to want to put on South Asian clothes. It's clothes, it's kind of yeah. just, like, common sense. So I think that, like, don't don't wear a lehenga on Halloween and call yourself Princess Jasmine, though. That's yeah, where, that's that. appropriation. That's not Gross. cool. But if you want to go to a South Asian event and wear something pretty, you do you. Yeah. I was more upset of just, like... They literally showed the Diwali party for like two minutes and there yeah. was nothing I, yeah. that has to do with the actual traditions yeah. within yeah the Hindu culture. But yeah. And it didn't even, oh, I don't even know if you had to go into so much about the Hindu culture, but I think the episode should have had more about, the, like more should have taken place at that party or on Diwali or something. Why did it have to be Diwali? You could have just said my parents are having their wedding anniversary party or something, yeah. right? Like, why are you using a specific, like, religious holiday? Yeah, very true, to very do true. This? Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not, not a fan of this show, but I keep continuing to watch it. And, and the Che Che just like Oh, I hate hmm? her. I cannot stand her as a character. Them? You hate them. them. Sorry, my apologies. You hate them. But I don't like her as an actress. Oh, Sarah Mir. Yeah. Well, like, what is that comedy special? That's not even there was no jokes. There was no jokes. There was no jokes in that comedy special. No. And they were also like amazed by it. I was like, what? What are you amazed? Yeah, it was not by? amazing at all. Oh, uh, what a time. Yeah. What a time to be alive. But speaking of Diwali, before we move yeah. on to our movie, there is one thing I wanted to discuss. Oh, okay. I watched a Bollywood movie this weekend. Whoa, what a What a surprise, right? Shocking. <laughs> Tell us uh, to please. <laughs> it was called Atrangire. It was, it, it came out around Christmas. It had a pretty good Starcraft. Great soundtrack. Movie was okay at the end of the day. But mm. the thing I really appreciated was at the end of the movie, movie finished, and you know how most filmmakers, they'll say a film, you know, a film made by or film by at the end of their movie. This one, Fade to Black, a film by, and then proceeded to list the music director, A.R. Rahman, the lyricist, the writer, the producers, and then at the end, the director. Oh, that's That nice. I found super classy. 
Yeah. That's really very refreshing. That is very refreshing. That is very, very classy. Because that is who made that movie. It was not mm-hmm. one man. And at the end of the day, that man's vision is the is is what carries the movie through. But that acknowledgement that like this was a team effort and this is the team who did it, that is it instantly what a nice made way to, yeah. It, yeah, it instantly made me like that director, who is already a prolific director in India, but it instantly made me want to like watch the rest of his movies, support him, because it's like you know where it's at and you clearly do appreciate your you know, who's who's working for you. And who was it? His name is Anand L. Rai. He's directed a, a couple of other things like Ranjana. And have you ever seen Thanuwed's Manu? The name sounds yeah, familiar. Thanuwed's Manu. But is, I don't is, think I have. You should. That's a good one. It's not <laughs> on this list, but you should watch it. I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. It's he's he's done some really good stuff. A little bit. He's kind of like the perfect mix of Bollywood and Subversion. And so, mm-hmm. like his movies are big musicals. Erhaman usually does the music. Erhaman won uh, two Academy Awards for. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire, and the music in this is is beautiful, and the background score is amazing as well. But the fact that you acknowledge that this movie was made up of artists and like a bunch of artists as well as yourself, I was really, I really, it really made me feel good. I love that for you. Yeah, but I'm glad that you feel good. (laughs) But like, I also really appreciate that. Like, it makes me think that like you probably treat your crew really well too. Then. Like, you probably are on a film set and you're like, you respect the people who work for you. You respect all of that. Or, let me play devil's advocate. What if this guy's a real asshole on set and then at the end of the day he realized he was. He had a come to Jesus moment or come to whoever he prays to moment and realize, oh, I've been a real big asshole. I should thank these people. That is not unreasonable, except that people in Bollywood all unanimously say he's just a nice so guy. He's, really nice? Okay, <laughs> he's like a really I nice I won't ruin leader. his reputation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to share that because I really liked it. And I think oftentimes you don't hear stories about that and appreciation and how credit is distributed. I've never heard about it in an American film. You would never mm-hmm. hear Quentin Tarantino do that because oh of the ego on that man. So, I mean, it's never <laughs> going to happen. But here's another person who can have an ego and doesn't do it. And that's that's class. I love it. We need more of that. We do need world. more of that, absolutely. But that's enough of class, because I think we're going to talk about the opposite now, Mita. Some sass? <laughs> <laughs> because this week, we watched an Adi movie that was meant for Mita. Yes, we did. We watched 1962's Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. What happened to her? Oh, poor Baby Jane. You want to give us a disco? I will give us a disco. <clears throat> IMDb describes this film as a former child star torments her paraplegic sister in their decaying Hollywood mansion. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. I think it's a lot. There's some layers to this movie yeah. beyond that quick description. But before we get into it, Nadim, why did you choose Whatever Happened to Baby Jane for me? Okay. So at the end of Francis Ha, when I picked Baby Jane, I mentioned that I had two black and white movies I was going between. So it was mm-hmm. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and the other one was Double Indemnity. Okay. Which I don't think you've seen. I have not. Okay. So Double Indemnity was my original choice, because I think mm-hmm. you should see Double Indemnity. It's a great film, and it is what I would call the original film noir and the original mm-hmm. femme fatale. Oh. So it, but it is also, the problem with Double Indemnity is that We've seen the remakes of it, and we've seen so many of the remakes of it done in so many different ways that when you watch Double Indemnity now, you're kind of just like, so what? 
you okay. really have to have the appreciation of like at the time this was probably revolutionary. Mm. Like Double Indemnity is a fun film. Who's in it? Oh God, who? What are the names? What's her name? Barbara Steinweck. Oh. Yes. And others, but it's a Billy Wilder film. Oh, I love Billy Wilder. Yeah, me too. And so I do think you should see it. But Whatever Happened to Baby Jane is a Mita movie. <laughs> it's campy. It's kind of like out there. It's super gay. It's really, really Mita. It's me. It's really Mita. <laughs> and the fact that you hadn't seen it, I was just like, oh, I think you should see this. So to clarify, I do not think this is a movie to watch at the end of the before the end of the world. But I think it's a movie Mita had to watch before the end of the world. So that's why I picked Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That's a good reason to pick it yeah. if you feel like that is the true representation of me. <laughs> Before we start, though, I do have a story time Please, with this do movie. Tell, yes. And kind of why why I never... Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'll start. Okay, so let's go back to 2005. Do you remember it? Vaguely. It was almost 20 Vaguely, years okay. ago. Do you remember the film House of Wax or the remake <laughs> House of Wax? With Paris Hilton. With Paris Hilton, Chad Michael Murray, Jared Padalecki, no. Alicia Cuthbert. Nope. You never seen nope. it. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I have, Don't put it and on I list. saw it in theaters. And <laughs> I saw it in theaters with my sister. I was telling her about this today. I was reminding her. And she's like, I really don't remember going to see this <laughs> movie with you, but but we did. And because you were how movie, old in two thousand and five? 14 maybe i think it was 2005 it might have been 2006 yeah. hold on let me make sure i have oh do right we here. is the date that important no but i just <laughs> you know me i need to have these things correct it was 2005 okay. so i was 14 14 wow 14 years old watching house of wax and what i remember from watching this movie is how scared my sister was and how <laughs> i was just like what is wrong with you because it's not scary at all guys it's yeah. like it's a really bad horror film but in this movie the characters visit this like abandoned movie theater. Okay. And what is playing at this abandoned oh. movie theater is whatever happened okay. to Baby Jane. And there's some very specific scenes that they show. And my 14-year-old mind was like, oh, this is also a horror movie, whatever oh. happened to Baby Jane. And then literally we get home from the movie theater that night. We turn on the TV. What is on the oh, TV? Oh, wow. That's creepy. Whatever happened yeah. to Baby Jane. And we were so creeped out about it, we didn't watch it. Oh. <laughs> we were just like, oh my God. That's really, <laughs> like, that's really unsettling. That's creepy. Yeah. And so I actually have always thought that it is like a true, true horror film mm. and not what it is at all. Yeah. And so like, I don't know if it ever like discouraged me from watching it. I just never did yeah. because I'm also not one to like pick out horror movies mm-hmm. and also in my mind having watched the few clips in house of wax i felt like i did see it so okay. <laughs> so that's really why i never ventured into it uh, okay yes now having seen it in yeah. 2022 where has this been my whole <laughs> life <laughs> this is my new sunset boulevard <laughs> is it no i really love sunset yeah boulevard. sunset boulevard is something else yeah, but I also was cognizant, cognizant, I can't talk today. I was aware of it because yeah. of the Ryan Murphy television show, Feud, yes. Betty and Joan, which I never finished. I started it, but I never finished it. 
Or is, um, it, is it that Ryan I... Murphy thing that he starts off great and it just fizzles out? Well, this is only one season, so I'm not going to He fizzles get... out by the end Ryan of tends to sizzle out around season two and a half or three. Mm. So it really depends on on the show but i had started it and then thought to myself oh i should really like know the source material a bit better before i like oh, is actually the source material be- this yes it's so the, like oh. when they feel- i'd actually didn't i've never seen feud so feud betty and joan mm-hmm. is about the long-lasting feud between betty davis and joan crawford and the television show focuses on the actual making of whatever happened to Baby Jane oh. and what that looked like and how the two of them like feuded throughout the making of this film and like what kind of caused the feud beforehand. But I never finished it, so I don't know where it kind of yeah. winds up. But it is about the making of this movie. And so I remember when I was watching the series, I was like, I really should watch the source material. And then I got distracted and never did it. (laughs) That's also one of the reasons why I was deterred from watching it fully. But I, I just, I'm so happy that I got to watch this now. I'm glad. But I'm also very happy I'm watching it as an adult woman because I think teenage me though would have been really confused by this. Really? In what way? I think I'm just more formed as a human being now. Yeah. Like I'm an actual adult. <laughs> like my all my brain cells are there. Mm-hmm. Maybe who knows? And I think if I was younger and if I'd watched this at like 14, I wouldn't have appreciated what this movie is, and I wouldn't have understood like what is being depicted on screen. But then even more, sort of the lore that's behind this movie. I think that's what really attracts me the most to it is this idea of these two women who can't stand each other having to work together yeah. and create create their hatred on screen essentially yeah. and it works so well like that that to me what sticks out the most is that like there's something very palpable about how much Betty Davis hates Joan Crawford yeah. <laughs> and it's so so yeah. clear in this movie and it's almost it's so clear that you almost start to root for Betty Davis you're like you should hate Joan how do you feel <laughs> about betty about I'm, i mean about about all, all of it <laughs> there's just like so much here i can't i don't even know where to start okay so if i'm being honest i find the movie very average i find it very okay. like i think as a film it's it's quite long it's like two hours and 15 minutes and it starts it to feel long. really long in the tooth i think mm-hmm. once once Jane starts to actually go like really crazy and Blanche is kind of like tied up in her room. A lot of the energy kind of dies down it a dies little down bit. because it's what makes the movie good in, in the first half is the chemistry between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis and those interactions. Mm-hmm. But then those start to repeat themselves and like Blanche is confined to her room. So there's not a lot of like there's not a lot going on. So this is a movie that I feel like would have benefited from being like a lot smaller like, and a mm. lot tighter as a film. Yeah. Do we need the neighbors in there? No. No, because they don't serve a purpose. Because in my head, I hadn't seen this for a long time. And I thought, as I'm watching it, it kind of felt like I was watching it for the first time in many ways. And I was kind of like, oh, are the neighbors going to, like, are they going to be involved in how this, like, unravels? And they weren't. They, like, served no purpose. No, other than the the daughter neighbor is actually Betty Davis's daughter. Oh, cool. But that's like f- yeah. <laughs> lore. It has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Well, that was the thing I was also going into this review. I was thinking, it's like, do I like 
this movie a lot or do I like the lore? And I think I like the lore. Like, I'm really attracted to that. But the lore, the interesting thing is, like you said, is that I also find the fact that how did this movie get made? How did Betty Davis and Joan Crawford decide that we're going to do the same movie together? This must have been the casting coup of the century when it happened. It was, so from what I saw <laughs> in Feud, oh, Feud, Betty yeah. and Joan, Feud, it was a real struggle to get these two to, to like, to do it, to come down uh-huh. and decide to do it. But they both were at a point in their careers where they they needed something because, I mean, Joan Crawford especially, like she had gone through a few marriages and hadn't been working uh-huh. in a really long time and like needed to do something with her career. And so she saw this as the opportunity to like bring herself back up to perhaps get an, an Oscar win that she felt like she deserved. And unfortunately, all the attention went to Betty, Betty Davis, instead. Yeah. Because Betty Davis is just a more realistic person than Joan Crawford. In but the movie or in general? In general. But but the other really fascinating thing about these two women is that they are so good at what they do. They're very established in their careers. I think Betty Davis was more flexible. And like that's why she had a longer lasting career mm-hmm. than Joan Crawford did. But they both were powerhouses and both terrible mothers. Yeah. Like, absolutely terrible. And we can go into that later. But I think, I guess we should really talk about the movie. Because that's why we're here. (laughs) But, I mean, we are here because of that. But at the same time, I think the lore is a part of, like... uh, For me, I watched the movie. Like, I'm appreciative of the lore. Especially because I watch it and I'm just like, these women hated each other. And there's, Mm -hmm. like... if, If you have any knowledge of, like, filmmaking in Hollywood, like... Hollywood yesteryear, you know these two names. And you know that they just despised each other so to watch this kind of play out on screen i always find it fascinating whenever i hear about two actors who hated each other but had to share a lot of screen time because chemistry is so important in filmmaking especially when i hear that like two people in a romantic relationship hated each Mm. other i'm always just like how did this happen like how did you fake that loving somebody Yeah, yeah fake loving someone when you couldn't stand them and like you're saying, this makes a lot of sense because there's a, like Jane is supposed to hate Blanche. So it's kind of like it works. Although it worked because Betty Davis hated Joan Crawford. <laughs> Betty Davis hated Joan Crawford, but Joan Crawford also hated Betty Davis. Yes. And for all intents and purposes, if you want to base it on a variety of things, Betty Davis had the bigger movie career. She yeah, had more sure. Oscar wins. She had more Oscar nominations. She had more movies. She had more longevity. She like she really did outdo Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. And Joan stood in that and didn't do anything. Like, she wasn't proactive yeah. in her own life. She wanted things a certain way. Or at least that's what I got from Jessica Lange's mm-hmm. performance. But <laughs> she, the, the two episodes yeah, of exactly. you that I watched. <laughs> but no, she. I think she was a little bit more... I mean, if you've seen Mommy Dearest, you know that she likes things done a certain way. No more My advice hangers. to you is no wire hangers, please. <laughs> She likes things done a certain way and can be a real stick in the mud. Yeah. And Betty Davis took risks. Like, with this performance alone, yeah. the makeup, yeah. <laughs> the way she's presenting herself is not the Betty Davis that audiences love. It's completely left field. Yeah. And it's something that you wouldn't have seen in the 60s. You wouldn't see a beautiful Hollywood actress choosing Cake to on, look yeah disgusting and by contrast she looked looked terrible and by contrast joan crawford apparently fought to look better in the movie yeah like she she wanted all her nails done she wanted to be quaffed every day like she needed to look 
spectacular, but like, which is also what apparently is there, what Lindsay what is, Lohan did on the Mean Girl set. Really? She yeah. She asked to wear like especially in the like beginning half when she's just Katie. She asked yeah. to have like better clothes and more makeup and like better hair and like they had to really fight against it. Wow. Where did you get that intel? I don't know. Maybe okay. Lindsay told me herself. Who knows? Oh, right. When you were in Greece with her. <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> when you were at the club. When I was at that club. Yeah. We've all seen the meme. But <laughs> <laughs> But what I was gonna say is like it's just so it's so ironic to me that Joan Crawford uh, did this film because she really thought it would do something for her career, but her standards really blew up in her face because Blanche could be an interesting character, but she's not. She's and in all just, fairness, it that, that's less to do with Joan Crawford and more with the fact that she's just underwritten. That's fair. The movie really does focus on Jane. Well, whatever happened. Yeah, and that like in all Jane. fairness, that's whatever happened to baby Jane, but I feel like Joan should have known that going in because it was in the script. Well, because I was, when I was watching it, I was really, like, they start this, the movie was showing us baby Jane when she was a baby and her name was Mm -hmm. Jane. And they show Blanche as her other, as her younger sister? I think. Older. Older sister. Yeah. They show, which is more compelling. They show Blanche as her older sister with the mousy brown hair being told, you be nice to your sister. You'll get your comeuppance. And to me, that's a really interesting thing to explore. I think the script maybe could have done some more with that. But this idea that you, you know, you were sort of shunned away to being the ugly kid Mm -hmm. in your family. And then you grow up to be this like beautiful Hollywood movie star. Like, what does that look yeah. like? What kind of baggage comes with that? Yeah, and I that whole storyline, as it develops, I found it interesting. I did actually find it very compelling when they're talking, when you realize that, like, Blanche became an actress, too, and Blanche became a better actress and a bigger actress. That, like, simple plot line is very, like, it is appealing to be, like, what about Jane made her a bad actress in the future? And what mm-hmm. helped Blanche become a better actress and the dynamic that would have resulted between them like I feel like more than the snapshot that happens towards the end of their relationship leading up to that was probably more interesting yeah like which, what I mean like, that, yeah. what was <laughs> like what was the back and forth like it's probably your sequel prequel idea but it is. <laughs> <laughs> like leading up to the accident what was that yeah. relationship like yeah because we don't get that yeah, that's the don't. thing we get the 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 movie producers talking to each other about these two women who are sisters and like Blanche has to really support um, Jane's career. Yeah. But we don't get to see what that looks like. And I think, I think you could have totally cut out all of the neighbor and her daughter and had that. Instead. Yeah. Instead. But I think also a more compelling movie would have been just that. Yeah. I mean, for today's audience, I think that would be, I don't know about 1962. But that was the other thing I found very interesting. 1962 is pretty late in their both of their careers. Like yeah. these are actresses from the 40s. Mm-hmm. So like 20 years into it, here they are. When did they peter out? Joan Crawford was petered out from what I understand. Like people weren't paying attention to Joan. I'm trying to remember. When did Mommy Dearest come out? 60? No, 70s. Because it no, was Faye Dunaway. But I'm wondering when the book came out. I should have looked into this a little bit more. Because the book about Betty Davis didn't come out until the 80s. And then I also went to the 
library website and put holds on both of those books. <laughs> <laughs> See, Betty Davis was uh, receiving Academy Awards from the th- uh, nominations from the 30s. Whoa. 1935 to 1963. That is 30 years of a career of Academy Award nominations. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. It is. Her last movie was 1989, Wicked Stepmother. I think that the book might have come out a few years before that. I'm trying to remember what the book by her daughter is called. It's also less popular. Yes. People aren't as aware that Betty Davis was also not the greatest mother. But that also might be because I think Joan Crawford was just the worst mother. <laughs> Oh, mommy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's honestly what it is. So, My Mother's Keeper. Yeah, see, I didn't even know that was the title. Okay, yeah. And it came out in 1985. So it took a while for her career to kind of get to a point where there's books being written about how terrible a person she is. Yeah. But she also was just like, she was known to be a bitch. Betty Davis? <laughs> yeah. I think she was known to be a bitch, but she was also known to just focused in many ways like her bitchiness Mm -hmm. came from the fact that like she knew her worth she knew her value and she knew what she wanted whereas Joan Crawford's came from entitlement yeah and like wanting to be I think Joan wanted to be rich and wanted to be like even looking at her husband choices like she just wanted she wanted a life that she did not have growing up and like didn't I don't think I think she just kind of fell into acting because of it, I think Betty really got something out of being a performer. Yeah, I think Betty was yeah. an actress. Mm-hmm. Betty acted because that's what she wanted to do. And I think Joan did it because she wanted notoriety. The fame. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that Betty Davis, she would she brought in a, a Coca-Cola machine, yeah. machine to the <laughs> set. And Joan Crawford was, I think he was dead at the time, but her husband was the CEO of Pepsi. Yeah. It's like petty. <laughs> I love it so much. It's just so good. But see that the thing about this movie is that the the like things surrounding it are almost mm-hmm. more interesting than the movie itself. Totally. So what I but the, so I wanted to sorry, so I want to know what are your thoughts on the film? I was gonna wait till the end of my review. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> but don't give me a review. But give me your like thoughts. My idea. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think I really going into it and knowing like the history and the lore really did put forward how I felt about this a lot more. But when I think about it, just standalone, like if I didn't know any of this, if I didn't know their story, if I didn't know all these like tidbits in the Ryan Murphy series, it is just fine. Yeah. But it's just fine for me now in 2022. I want to know what it like, as we do with the most of these movies that we've been watching, like in 1962, what were audiences thinking? Like, I can't think of anything like this before and since that show, especially when you think about baby Jane herself. Like, where is there that story of somebody who was, you know, famous and then enthralled by fame and then destroys their life afterwards? Mm-hmm. Like, I think of things like A Star is Born, but there's no women who are doing things like this. And this, and that's what really sets it apart for me is that it's these these women who are 
enthralled in their lives with their sisters and they're having all these cat bites. And so part of me is just like, this is really interesting and compelling because not a lot of people are making this. But then the other part of me is like, does this has this movie helped women in the future? Because now you always read about all this like tabloid history between women like Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff. Are you <laughs> like, comparing oh. Betty Davis and Joan Crawford to Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff? Because no and yes. <laughs> I'm not saying they are at the caliber yeah. of Betty and Joan. But it's the idea of like, let's take these two Hollywood stars and let's sort of pit them against each other. And I think if you asked Lindsay and Hillary today, they would be like, no, there really wasn't that much there. People kind of did this. And I think the lore in history that's come with whatever happened to baby Jane has helped propel that. That doesn't answer your question for me of like how I feel about this movie. But I just was sort of working that out in my mind. In terms of the movie itself, it's fine. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not spectacularly written. There are definitely some like holes there. There's things that could have been cleaned up. There's things that could have been edited. I totally agree with you in it being like very long. I think it could have been much tighter. And I think there are some things in here that could have had more focus. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did still really enjoy it. Yeah, man. You do you. That's fair. Just to go back to Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff, yeah. I think I agree with what you're saying that sometimes the tabloid will pit people against each other. I think the difference is that Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, it was very the opposite. They effing hated each other. And everything they did was just factually reported. <laughs> they just hated each other so much that the things they said and the things they did were vindictive and they were they were like, they just really didn't like each other. But that's what I find so interesting is this is sort of like, like, I think because they actually did hate each other, that's why we have this like long lasting history in the media of pitting two women against each other. Like, do you actually think Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston like despise each other? That's a that's a tricky one, right? She but had we all, an affair with Angelina we, Jolie had an affair with Jennifer Aniston's husband we while they were filming a movie. We don't know if they had an affair or not. It's never been said, like, yes, we did it. It's never denied, though, either. It, exactly, but we don't know. That's like, and so there's always been this hatred between Jen and Angelina. But what if there was no affair and they did wind up just having to be together after the movie had wrapped and after he'd gotten a divorce? So one thing I do find interesting is, like, I do think there, you're you're definitely right. There definitely is, like, the gossip columnists make a bigger deal of these things and you know where i realized that was actually watching coffee with current <laughs> the best show <laughs> yeah for our <laughs> listeners coffee with current is a indian talk show where this prolific filmmaker garen Johar, he essentially interviews celebrities and it's like one or two or three at a time and oftentimes he'll have major actresses that have had alleged feuds yeah. On the same Come show the and show. talk about what's going on. So, for instance, Priyanka Chopra was on an episode with Karina Kapoor, and they at one point dated the same man, Shahid Kapoor, and had allegedly had this hatred for each other, but they both sat down and they were like, I have no idea where this came from. It must it was started. And they that episode is so entertaining to watch mm-hmm. because the two of them have great chemistry together. And I think it was honestly the first time I was just like I feel like things are being made up. Either these actresses are act like really, really good at their job, 
or well they are we know that we know that but like <laughs> yeah <laughs> but or like things are just really being made up made up but betty and joan hated each other i know i just feel like they're they're the reason why we have this and i love it and i hate it at the same time i do appreciate in many ways that it was two women who made who did it though like i think if 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 tabloid journalists had gone out and two men had pitted two women against each other, it would have been like a feminist issue. But now these two women just actually flat out hated each other. And now journalists have just tried to replicate that drama that two women actually had. Actually hate each other. Yeah. Yes. I guess that's fair in the eyes of feminism. <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so fascinating to me. I wish I could be there in that time and just like, live what these two women were going through i feel like it was probably interesting to be alive at the time when they were when you were hearing the news of how much they hated each other yeah because i'm trying to think like who today could be the betty and joan today you don't see it as much anymore i guess which is actually kind of nice though you don't have movie stars the same way you don't that's true I'm like, who does Nicole Kidman hate? Is yeah, what I'm trying to that's think the right only. Th- she's actually the only one. I Nicole Kidman, maybe Charlize Theron, maybe like, maybe Sandra Bullock. Like, there's a, there, it's a very small list of like, yeah. superstars. I, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that out loud. What? <laughs> I thought of a male version, which is um, The Rock and Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah, kinda. <laughs> They hate they don't each, like other, each guys. other, yeah. <laughs> They're the Betty and Joan. They're the Betty and Joan of our time. <laughs> do you have any other sequel prequel ideas? I do really I want to see what their lives were like before the accident. Mm-hmm. Cause what so the big reveal in this movie, we didn't really go into it, is yeah. um Yeah. <laughs> so Blanche is paraplegic. Mm. She's the paraplegic sister of Baby Jane. And at the start of the movie, all you see is someone being um, hurled up against a, woman. a gate. A, yeah, a woman being hurled up against a gate by a car. So the car drives them into the front gate. And there's a woman driving know, the car. Yes. So we know that Blanche is paraplegic. So the assumption is that it was Blanche who was... Uh, it was Jane driving yeah. and Blanche was pushed up against the gate. But then at the end of the film, it's actually revealed that Blanche was driving the car, hit Jane. But as she was driving, she broke her spine. And how does she get out of the car? They don't go into those details, but just that she was the one who. Yes. So she was actually the one driving. She was the one that was actually trying to hurt Jane. And so I think it would have been so much more interesting to see what was their relationship like up to that moment. Mm-hmm. Like what would lead somebody to want to drive them into a gate. And it's hinted that Jane was an al- is an alcoholic yeah. um, and kind of created a lot of stir for her in terms of her career as well. And so I think that's a more compelling and interesting story. And so I would like to see that. But I also kind of want to know like what happens – on the beach that day. like Yeah, they don't happened? really tie that up. How? Yeah. they We don't know what happens to to Jane specifically. I, like, I does she get locked Jane up? Jane gets locked up. Because, locked up? Yeah. Or does it, like, lead to a police shootout? Or no, I don't does, so. I don't know, does Blanche just feel so terrible because she finally, she realized, like, the reason why my sister is this way is because of what I did. And... Does she have to go? Do they get locked up together? Do no. they both go and see? No one like, locks I think up Blanche. 
No one fucks no one locks up Blanche. Because she's a favorite Hollywood star. Yeah. But, also, but I think like, there's a lot more. I think she had every right to do that to Jane. We don't know the relationship before. What if we're totally in the wrong? No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. We don't know how Blanche got to be such a big star. I think that's a really that's interesting an interesting story, story too. as well. Absolutely. How did Blanche come up from being the mousy older child and to be this Hollywood starlight? Yeah. What did Blanche have to do to get where she was? I feel like Blanche actually just worked really hard. Who did Blanche have to do? No, to get I feel like Blanche actually just worked really hard. I think she was a you great think? actress. I think she just made it work. That's the impression I get of Blanche. She does have that like sweetheart yeah. persona to her, which is kind of annoying, though. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest, but That's I think fair. there's so much here that could be done. Yeah. But I and I would love to see it, but I don't think I can't think of anybody who would do this justice. Like anyone relevant today no, who could write way. this. So Ryan Murphy, stay away from it. Yeah, don't do it. Stay away. Because <laughs> I can see him wanting to. I can see it moving in his mind. Because the thinking, thing is, oh. <laughs> no matter how much you want to remove the lore from the movie, you can't. It's not It's not just a movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the thing about it, is that it's not just a film that was made and then you watch it independently of the history of it. Like, yeah. they're just so intricately connected that you mm-hmm. cannot watch this without being aware of the fact that these two women hated each other. Like, how did this movie get made? How did these things happen? Like, there's so much that goes into, I think, what informs this movie. Yeah. But I will go into my rating on that note. Okay. I will say about the ending, mm-hmm. I was genu- genuinely surprised by that. I don't remember that ending. And it did feel <laughs> like, a, like a twist. Yeah. Like, it felt like, a, oh, oh, I didn't realize that was what happened. Because you totally buy the fact that Jane would have done that to Blanche. Yeah, you think Jane ran her over. Yeah, it's totally realistic. That mm-hmm. said, the fact that I have told you how many things I forgot about this movie should tell you how memorable as a film it is. It is, generally speaking, very forgettable. It is, I think, it's forgettable as a film, but also very memorable because of a, a few select things in the film. Betty Davis and her performance being one of them, a few scenes involving rats. There's a couple of things that are really, really stark memorable, but the movie itself is written very standardly. There's nothing exciting about the direction. There's nothing really exciting about the story. You kind of get the the main plot points. You kind of figure it out early on. It's a pretty passable film. It's super long. Two hours and 20 minutes is really, really long, for a story that is pretty wafer thin, with characters that don't really have much development, with a lot of extra meat that could have really been trimmed, like a lot of stuff should have really ended up on the cutting room floor, the script honestly should have been at least a half hour shorter than it was. Like you could have really gotten... And I think what bothers me about this is that there actually is a lot of juice in the story. It just mm-hmm. isn't on the screen. Yeah. So, like, this is a movie that could have had so much and could have been so interesting. It just ends up being so kind of bland. Yeah. And so, for that, I give it three stars. Three more in the theme. Putting it down in the books. What's your... My turn? Yeah. Okay. I said it already. Yeah. But I have a really difficult time separating the lore of this movie and all of the background that surrounds it with the actual film itself. If I'm looking at just the movie, I totally agree with you. It is a bit lackluster. Like there isn't anything. I think the ideas are all there and they're very compelling, but they're not executed to the best that they could be. But I 
also feel like that could be just because of the time that it is. Yeah, In I do feel way? that way. Sorry. <laughs> In that just like, I don't know, because when I say 60s, it doesn't feel that long ago. But it does still feel that long ago. It's still 60 years ago. And I think like these actresses were, how old were they when they, this was made? Like in their 40s or 50s? Easily. There's not many movies in the 60s featuring actresses in their 40s and 50s. And I think that in itself is very compelling. And like we don't get stories of women of a certain age. And like the stories that we do are just like, oh, I was never a mother. And now like (laughs) I long to have a child or just like stupid things that like I don't that are not as fun and interesting as this story actually is. But I do agree the execution could could use a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. There definitely could be some editing. There's an entire kind of love story as well for Jane in this that just sort of like, I don't, I'm not too sure why it's in there. I think it does help propel her into her psychosis a little bit, yeah. but like kind of just unnecessary. She could have gotten there on her own. She didn't need a man to do that for her. Yeah. But yeah, so all the pieces are there. It's just not fully formed it's like a mismatched puzzle you have pieces from like different things that aren't kind of fitting all well together but the lore of this movie (laughs) the act the idea of these two hollywood stars just like fighting on set trying to get this movie made they both are doing it because they just want money like i just feel like there's something so special and unique about that and being a person that will like research a movie before they watch it, you can't help but be sort of like compelled to this movie because of that. Mm. And like, I think this is this movie is for a specific set of people, and that I am one of those people. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, I'm going to give it four okay. out of five because I just. I felt like I was watching something that I should have known, that I've known my whole life. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I get like that. I've known I've known this movie. It's in my heart. It speaks to me on a different <laughs> level because of the lore involved. Yeah. It's like all the things that I, I love about old Hollywood. You need to go and finish like, feud then. I do need to go yeah. finish. I was gonna do it after we watched this, but then I I got distracted again. You're <laughs> off tomorrow. I am. I'm gonna yeah, I'm off for two weeks, my friend. Yeah. I'm gonna watch Feud and I'm gonna tell you to watch Feud probably. <laughs> The, the lore is really, it gives, because I, I, I too would give this three stars, but the lore gives yeah. this a whole extra star I for me. Totally so reasonable. it's going to be four. It's a movie that I should, I should have watched long ago. I am glad I watched it now because I think a younger version of me maybe wouldn't have quite understood the camp involved the here. The camp, yeah. The camp. It's and a lot of camp. Yeah. But 30 year old me is just like, oh, this is like. It's all this over is this. So good. And it's not. It's not a horror movie at all. And I, it, it is a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie. It's not the movie I thought it was. Yeah. I thought this was like axe murder, like blood everywhere, House of Wax is creepy kind of movie. And it's, it's not. not that movie, so no. um, I blame 2005's House of Wax for the reason why I did not see this and for Amy for playing it that evening when I came home. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But I did really enjoy it. I'm glad that you picked it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad because I thought you would like this. Even if you... This was kind of what I expected, that you won't necessarily like the film, but like Mm -hmm. the film experience 
experience is really up the, your alley. The experience of seeing something like All About Eve and seeing Betty Davis in All About Eve. Yeah. And then seeing her in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Like yeah. that to me, she, she is one of the greatest in, actresses yeah. of all time. Yeah. Yeah. She looks incredible in All About Eve. Like forget her performance, yeah. which is amazing. But like she just, it's it's astounding like what she does to herself yeah. to get into Jane. It's very exciting. Exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I really am happy that this worked out. Yes. Thank you, Nadim. But Mitha, now that we know what happened to baby Jane, yeah. I think it's time to play different characters, same world. world. All right. Okay. Are you ready? I might be. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have two actors, and then one is a character in one of the director's oh other God, movies. Oh, God, Mita. Fine. I'm sorry, but <laughs> that's just the way the cookie crumbles this okay. week, okay? Okay. So, the characters' names are Susie Hendricks, okay. Don Hughes, and Zelda Zanders. Okay. And your timer starts now. So, Susie Hendricks? Hendricks. Yeah. Is that Dakota Johnson from Suspiria? No. Susie Hendricks. Susie Hendricks. Hendricks. You will know this one. Susie Hendricks? Yeah. Oh, is it Audrey Hepburn? In? In Wait Until Dark? Yeah. Okay. Good job. There you go. So you have 30 seconds left. Oh, God. And who are the other two? Don Hughes. Okay. And Zelda Zanders. Oh, so I'm watching an Audrey Hepburn movie. Yes, you are. Funny Girl? That's not the name of it. And you have 10 seconds left. Oh, but the, <laughs> that's but that's the movie. You know what movie I'm talking about. I know what movie yeah. you're talking about, but that's not the name of Is it. Is that the one we're watching? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, man, it's gone. <laughs> but that's not the name, so you didn't get it. But what is it? <laughs> Called Funny Face. Funny Face. <laughs> So Susie Hendricks is Audrey Hepburn in Wait Until Dark. Yep. Don Hughes is Fred Astaire okay. in Easter Parade. I was not gonna get that. And then Zelda Zanders is Rita Morena's character in Singing in the Rain. Okay. And which is directed by Stanley Donan, who directed okay. Funny Face as well. Go. Funny Face is a movie that No, I'm gonna save that for okay. next week. We'll that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Funny Face it is. Funny Face. You'll have to rent it. Okay, that's fine. I don't mind. Yeah. Mitha, do you have any parting words? I do, Nadim. Also, I thought this was going to be a more quotable movie. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I, I was anything. surprised by that, too. It wasn't quotable at all. Although my yeah, favorite line is actually... Yeah, my favorite line is actually, but you are, Blanche, you are in the wheelchair. <laughs> because it's a Seinfeld reference. I can do that instead reference. if you want. No, it's okay. <laughs> I like it because there's a Seinfeld joke. But that's fine. We'll do whatever we have. Yeah. But not that much of a quotable movie. No. But anyways... All this time, we could have been friends. It's a good one. It's true. Yeah. Are we friends? <laughs> Let's find out next time. It's debatable. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Funny Face. Or Funny Girl. Yes, not Funny or, Girl. Yeah. No, Funny Face. Funny face. <laughs> have a lovely week, friends. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one.
You can follow us on Instagram at movies to watch pod, on Twitter at movies the number two watch pod, on the TikTok at movies to watch pod, or send us an email at movies to watch pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. I've written a 